Hey, man. How's it going? Uh, I'm okay, I guess. You know, this morning I took a shit, and while I was wiping, I, I went down too far, and I ended up just pulling a shit stain down my thigh. I see. Thank you for sharing. Well, you shouldn't have asked. Timothy had begun seeing a new woman. Her name was Emily. Emily seemed classy and was able to hold conversation very well. Within four to five days, Timothy knew this would be the woman for him. He told all of the women that he had been seeing that he had met someone and he wished them the best of luck. It was the first evening that Timothy and Emily would be intimate. As they made their way to her bedroom, he noticed that the whole house smelled like lavender, and he knew he'd made a good decision. They began getting into the throes of passion, and he went for a classic maneuver, the 69. It had been some time since he had used it, but he couldn't wait to taste as well as get tasted. As soon as she spread her legs and he could see her nether region in his face, he looked up and noticed that her butthole was destroyed. He began to question everything as he thought, well, this isn't the woman I thought it was. Apparently anal sex is a big part of her sex life. He regretted his decision, but ate anyway. I go through these weird patches sometimes where it doesn't matter what you're doing, where you're at. Sometimes you can get jealous of people. I used to get jealous a little when I would see some people's success and think to myself like, damn, you're not doing enough. You need to do more so that you can get an opportunity like that because other people's opportunities are supposed to be theirs. Otherwise, they would be someone else's. But there are a million opportunities. So every time I saw something big, I was just like, you need to fucking step your game up. Now, I'm thinking in a totally different way because I'm not really in entertainment. But doesn't stop the fact that people get and I want. Like now, my mind is on buying a home, making sure that my investments are working. I want my money to work now. That's not how I was thinking five years ago. I'm an old man. And if you knew what I watch, I watch YouTube videos all day long about investing. And yeah, so I, I saw an Instagram post uh, from an old friend, like, I think we started working together in 2012. And um, when we started, it's weird because, you know, now it's been nine years. But um, when we started working together, I was younger and she was very young. <clears throat> Excuse me. And she was this like sweet little innocent girl that had come from the state department over to work with me in the department of veterans affairs. Um, and I remember the first time I saw her matter of fact, I'll take you back through that job because we had a weird little, uh, story. So I started that job after being unemployed for like two, two and a half years. And I remember in 2006, I had been unemployed for a summer, 
and I spent that summer drunk, depressed. I felt like the biggest loser. And uh, I was drinking Miller High Life. Anybody drinking that is not okay. Like if your friend has one in their hand, maybe give them a hug. Ask them if they're all right. They'll say no. Um, The only good thing to come out of that summer, well, two good things. One, that summer I discovered it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Been in love with it ever since. And two, um, it changed the way that I looked at bad situations because that summer was the worst for me mentally. A year later, life was totally different. I had a job that I wanted and everything, and I was like, huh, I guess if you just ride it out, almost everything will be okay and or take care of itself. So I've started this job after being unemployed for like two, two and a half years. I was unemployed so long that I had exhausted everything. Hadn't really thought about going on like welfare or anything, but I exhausted the unemployment, the extensions, and because I was performing and making a decent amount of money cash in hand, I was good for like four or five months with just the money that I was making off performing, plus I had moved home with my mom. I was in a bad place. So I get this job with the department, excuse me, of veteran affairs. And at that point, it was the most money that I had made. And I was really excited. So I'm, a, I'm an analyst. And I start working, mostly a, a black staff and mostly veterans. It was cool. At the same time that I start, this other girl starts. And she's this sweet little Indian girl. Well, she's not Indian. She's technically Egyptian. But she looks like a little Indian girl, with the exception of the fact that she has enormous breasts. And they're so big, and she was so small that it just jumps off the page at you. So, whenever working with people like that, I do my best to maintain eye contact and never look at them. Because you're at work, and I don't want to be fired, nor do I ever want someone to talk to me from, like, HR or something at that point. Now, certainly, but at that point, never wanted to have that conversation. Because my first introduction to sexual harassment was in the seventh grade. Yeah, and no, I wasn't, like, a super creep. Um, I was saying something to a friend about someone, and... Another girl, I think her name was Constance. Never forget a Constance. Um, And Constance was actually a really cute girl. But Constance heard me and told the teacher that she was offended by what she had heard me say. So wasn't a case of talking to Constance. And my whole thing with the teacher, I guess I was super toxic then. Because the teacher's like talking to me about it. And I was like, where the fuck does Constance get off eavesdropping and then get offended about what she's eavesdropping on? I wasn't talking to her. And she's like, but that doesn't matter. And I was like, well, it does. Because I wasn't talking about her and I wasn't talking to her. So, <laughs> learn to whisper. Um, so, that was my first introduction. So, Now I get to meet her, and honestly, I have trouble remembering what her name is. And I can remember it now, but uh, not going to say it for the sake of it. So, you know, time passes. We get to know each other a little bit better. And um, that was the first job where I started, like, going out to happy hours, um, 
with people that I worked with. So my supervisor, our boss, and myself, the three of us were thick as thieves. And we would go out almost every day because I was going to go out to go perform anyway. This is back in D.C. So happy hour was cool because then I didn't have to really kill a whole bunch of time. And I certainly didn't want to go home. And uh, so the girl, she would come with us. And um, we got to learn more about where she comes from. She was dating uh, this black guy. And her family did not like that. Now, I think that they were classy enough that they didn't, like, make him phone calls calling him the N-word and stuff in the middle of the night. But they had made it very clear to her, we're disappointed that you've chosen a black guy. And you need to end this immediately. Like, she got heavy pressure to end it. Now, again, she was coming from the State Department. She's one of those people where her whole life was kind of laid out. All she had to do was walk down the path to greatness. This dude, from what I can remember, was a security guard. So my supervisor and I, you know, we were kind of rooting for him because we're both black and he was black. But at the same time, we're like, why are you with a security guard? It's always weird when somebody who's like on this big path is with somebody who is nowhere near it. And we could never understand it. We were like, but at the same time, weren't rooting against him. We kind of just wanted him to get his shit together because we're like, well, if you're going to be with her and her parents don't like the color of your skin, you need to be excellent on paper. That way she can at least defend the decision to be with you and nothing against security guards. Um, eventually, you know, over time, we, we start to learn that he's like uh, controlling and really insecure and jealous didn't like her going out to the happy hours with us, even though nobody tried to talk to her like that. We were really just friends. And uh, eventually they break up. So when they broke up, I was like, well, it's pretty obvious. Because her parents either wanted her to be dating another Egyptian or a white guy. I'm sure you can imagine how I feel about that because I was like, wait a second. So they don't want you with a black guy. They want you with an Egyptian, but they're willing to take you with a white guy. Why? Because white guys are the universal currency. So she starts dating slowly and she starts dating like a couple of white guys. And we're like, what are you doing? Trying to make your parents happy? You like black guys. Um, and I think in a way she really just was trying to make her, her family happy. Like, well, if I got to do it again, I don't want to piss them off. But it's like, but your parents are racist. So time passes. And I'm looking at this uh, Instagram. Bear in mind, it's been nine years since we first met. She loved black culture, too, which is why I was like, you can't end up with a white guy. You're clearly not meant for it. So I'm looking at this Instagram post. And uh, she's pregnant with baby number two. Um, she has found a white guy that I'm sure makes her family very happy. And they have moved to the Midwest somewhere. Though I will say, I don't know what furniture she had behind her when this new pregnancy picture, but got jealous. Like I said, I'm thinking about getting a house. And so I'm looking at her pregnant, but behind her, I'm looking at a fireplace with like marble and everything just looked decadent. And I was like, fuck, man. 
they're living in a fucking palace out there in the Midwest. I need to get my shit together. But after my thoughts of jealousy, I was like, damn, it just really sunk in that she had given in and found a white guy and pleased her family. I don't know. I kind of wish that she had been a little bit more of a, a militant Egyptian. If that's a thing that people say, unless bombs are being dropped. Um, it was just disappointing. I'm sure she's very happy, but um, her parents don't deserve the happiness. She deserves it. That guy deserves it. He looks like a Fred who has never harmed anyone or said an unkind word about anybody. So good for him. Ah, it just bothers me to see the racists win. Like my first long-term relationship. Her mother was racist as fuck. And she would call me at all hours to call me the N-word and black ass this and stay away from my daughter that. And her daughter loved black dudes. Like if black dudes were grape soda, her daughter was on the verge of diabetes. Like she couldn't stop. She always had grape soda in her mouth. And she got married. They've got two kids. And the dude is white. I'm... I'm not going to say I'm happy for her. I'm indifferent. But, you know, he looks like a, a nice guy. She's probably cheating on him. That's what I feel. Because um, she was a big cheater. But I don't like that her mom, who is dead now, what's up? I should hit some happy music right there. Hold on. What's great is... My wife got to hear uh, that last portion was led to us discussing, you know, the awful racists that I've known in the past, the ones that are dead and still with us. And I guess I'm a hypocrite. Not I guess. I am. Because for all that I have negative to say about these assholes who have left the earth, um, there are still people that my son could bring home that I wouldn't approve of. Now, I don't know if I'm calling people in the middle of the night to call them black asses and stuff. But, like, let's say he brought home a woman who is clearly for the streets. I have thoughts, and I would be offended. I would be like, what the fuck are you doing bringing that trash in here? Her butt cheeks are out. Sir, have you not heard that you don't bring some women home to meet mama? And, in parentheses, papa. You leave some of that for the streets. Cliches are true. But having said that, you know, shame. Shame on the races. Uh, <laughs> back to my first girlfriend's dead mother. That lady black assed me up and down, told her ex boyfriend to come fuck up my car. And I just hope wherever she is beneath us that she's getting hot, fiery poker right in her nipples. I know hell can't be nice. Not for people like her. And yes, I am kidding because I don't think hell exists, but it was good to reflect on her. Uh, real quick thing before we jump to another topic. I remember one time uh, during sex, I was trying to last longer. And, you know, some people have talked about counting and other methods. I remembered... Oh, well, maybe if you think about somebody that you don't like, 
then you can last longer because you're kind, like, I, I don't get hate fucking. I don't fuck people I hate. I don't tell people that it pissed me off to suck my dick. I don't want my dick in the mouth of somebody I'm, I'm pleased with. But this particular time during sex, I thought of this woman's mother because I hated her so much. And I'll be damned if that isn't the quickest I've ever come in my life. Hey mom, uh, I just wanted to call because I found a, a story that I thought you'd like. I wish you had picked up the phone. I'm just going to read it to you because it tickled me. Um, okay, a woman in Belgium has reportedly been banned from visiting the chimpanzees at a local zoo after developing a close bond with one of them. According to zoo officials, her affair with the primate was preventing him from bonding with the other chimps. Multiple outlets report that Addie Timmermans, I believe that's how you pronounce her name, has been visiting Cheetah, a 38-year-old chimpanzee at the Antwerp Zoo, each week for the past four years. In that time, Timmermans claims that she and Cheetah have forged a strong friendship. I love the animal, and he loves me. That's what this lady told her relationship with Cheetah has reportedly consisted of the two waving and blowing kisses at each other through the glass. On the surface, the interactions seem harmless, but zoo officials say the friendship has proved detrimental to Cheetah's social status with the other chimpanzees. When Cheetah is constantly surrounded by visitors, the other monkeys ignore him and don't consider him part of the group, even though it's important for him. He then sits on his own outside of visiting hours. In an effort to promote Cheetah's social well-being, the zoo allegedly banned Timmermans from visiting him. I haven't got anything else. Why do they want to take that away? She asked in an interview with the ATV. We're having an affair, I'll just say. Other dozens of visitors are allowed to make contact. Then why not me? The zoo explained that Cheetah might be too focused on Timmermans to bond with his other peers. An animal that is too focused on people is less respected by its peers, said the zoo. We want Cheetah to be a chimpanzee as much as possible. Lade Bible reports that Cheetah has spent 30 years at the zoo, which means he was eight when he got there. It's an old fucking monkey. Sorry, Mom. Um, but eventually, he became unmanageable. Oh, sorry, he was somebody else's pet, and then he became unmanageable. That's why he got there at eight years old. Though he's learned chimpanzee behavior at the zoo, he still has to bond with an interest in humans. Okay, well, this is by Newsweek, but it's poorly written. Anyway, I thought that you would like to hear about this woman and her affair with this monkey, and that's all she's got. It's very sad and hysterical. Uh, all right, call me back. Oh, man. You know, this reunion's actually pretty fucking off the chain, man. I didn't want to come. Yeah, man, glad you came. Holy shit, isn't that Ronnie? Ronnie James. Yeah. Yeah, I remember Ronnie. You know, the only thing I can remember about that dude is one time at a party, he asked me if I had the time, and I was like, nah. And then he pulled his dick out and put it over his wrist and pretended like it was a watch. It was gross, because he was kind of hard. It's weird, the stuff you remember. I remember being in, it was like a Forever 21-ish type store, but 
I think that they were a little bit blacker based on the music that was playing. Anyway, I was an adult, and I remember being in the mall with my mother shopping. It was probably like right before Christmas or something. And they were playing, uh, it wasn't Doodoo Brown. Maybe it was. Let's say it was Doodoo Brown. It was definitely Two Live Crew. If you don't know the Two Live Crew, they made nasty music back in the 80s. And there are grandmothers alive today who would get on stage and take off their pants and bust it wide open while dancing. And they would throw water at their coochies and asses. Um, so we're in this Forever 21 type store. And uh, the music is playing. And I remember my mom was looking at some clothing, but like she was beginning to like move, like she was getting into the music. And again, it was two live crew. And I asked her to stop dancing. And it just made me think back to the 80s. And I was like, good Lord. Now I know my mom wasn't a concert goer, but I was just like, oh my God, don't let me find out that you used to fuck to that. You know, the more that I think about what's going on in Texas, it's just crazy people telling other people what they can and cannot do with their bodies. If you want an abortion, I stand by you. Now, if you want to fuck your own family members, I'll stand by you again. Because who are they to tell you what you can and can't do? Next thing you know, they'll be telling you what kind of sandwich you can make or what kind of sandwich you can fuck. Don't talk to me about something I made, okay? If I have three children, they're mine. I can do what I like, okay? The same way that I'm fucking a peanut butter and jelly sandwich now, I'll make a tuna sandwich. I'll fuck that. I'll make a robot. I'll fuck that. I'll clone myself and fuck that. Because what's sexier than me? Nothing. I'll do what I want. Get your laws off my body. Take them out of my mouth. Because I might have a family member coming over. I'll fuck whoever I want. Get your hands off me. I'm leaving. I have a complicated past with pets. And I was just thinking about, you know, how the the thought of getting a dog in the near future is more appealing um mostly because i'm waking up early now it used to be a nightmare to think of having to wake up to let the dog go to the bathroom and i was like now nah, it'll be a long time before i do that again and i wasn't great at it the first time so let's go back um i think i might have been like seven maybe eight when I got my first pet turtle. Uh, I was huge into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, so I might have been a little younger. I'd been asking my mom for a turtle for a little while, and uh, she did one of the things that I always loved about my mom uh, when it was my birthday or Christmas, which is pretend, and she could act her ass off. When she said I didn't get it, she sold it, and she made you believe it. And uh, then she would like wait a certain amount of time after she had given me other gifts and she'd be like oh yeah i think i forgot something in my closet could you go get it for me and i believe that's how uh, she told me where my turtle was so i was excited to have it let's say that that turtle lasted six months i can't be sure because i'm old and this was a very long time ago but uh i'm pretty positive the turtle lasted at least six months um 
you know, you can't really play with something that's in a, uh, a glass thing. I don't remember taking the turtle out very much, aside from when I cleaned it. And I know that my mom was not the type to just let me take the turtle out of its uh, little home and let him run around on floors and on her couch and whatnot. She definitely was the type to be like, nah, you put him back where he belongs. So one day, the turtle died. I don't remember the exact sequence of events. Here's what I remember. I remember leaving him outside. It wasn't a particularly hot day. And he was in his glass home. And um, I came back to get him. And he was just stuck in the same pose that I left him with. But he had a little red... It looked like a drop of blood was trying to drop from like his Adam's apple or whatever turtles have where an Adam's apple would be. But it wouldn't fall. And I remember just staring at him for a really long time, waiting for the drop of blood to fall. I was like, did something cut his neck? I don't know what happened. I don't know why. I've always believed that my mother is responsible for that turtle's death. Why would she just stab a turtle in the throat and leave him out there for me to find? I don't know. I don't even know if it's her fault. It might have been the sun. It could have been a spider outside. But whatever that turtle's name was, rest in pieces, dude. Um, I don't think we flushed him. I think we threw him away. And then let's move forward because it would. my mom is still not a fan of living creatures that she did not give birth to. Uh, that goes for people, animals, anything. And so she wasn't like a dog person. And she damn sure wasn't going to get a cat. So the next pet that I got was a gecko. That's right. Um, main thing that I remember about the gecko, and I had that gecko for a while. Uh, I remember the day that we brought him home because uh, I think they gave him to my mom. I think he might have been in a bag. And if he was in a bag, she took him out by the tail. Now, I maybe he wasn't in a bag. Maybe they put him in a little glass thing and then we were putting him in the bigger glass terrarium or house that he would live in. But as she's taking him out by the tail, his tail breaks off and he hits the ground of my room and starts running around. My mother didn't have to think about it. She screamed when the little thing broke off. She screamed as his tail was still wagging in her hand and she saw him running off into the darkness underneath my bed. And she immediately turned and ran out of my room, closed the door and stuffed towels underneath the door and said, you can't come out until you catch it. I can't have that thing running around the house. I was laughing because I wasn't afraid but I was really laughing hard at how afraid my mom was. And she was dead serious, even though she was laughing on the other side of the door once I started laughing. But she was like, no, nah, but you're seriously not coming out until you get that thing. Um, and then, you know, I had to buy all kinds of crickets to feed him. I remember feeding him crickets. Rest in pieces to whatever that gecko's name is. I want to say I called him Gordon Gecko, but I sincerely doubt that I watched and understood Wall Street at that point in time in my life. Uh, I eventually had dogs, but my grandma bought the first one. She lived in New Jersey. We lived in Virginia. Mom wouldn't buy one. Grandma's like, don't worry, I'll get you a dog. I named him Jordan. 
he was a cocker spaniel stupid as all get up but he was a happy little dog ate his shit kind of dog rest in pieces i hated the responsibility that came with it you know people tell you that's a lot of responsibility you sure you want to take that on and i'm like you know it's a dog i'll play with it i know it needs to be fed sometimes hadn't really thought about when i think of walking a dog for some reason still to this day i think of a nice ginger stroll two blocks three at the most it's not right because dogs need to be walked enough that they're actually i don't know satisfied with the level of activity they have so you should probably have like an hour at least a day if not a walk to give to a dog now i know that i still in my mind when i say walk i'm thinking three blocks but at the time i was really not pleased with how long people thought i should have to walk the dog i didn't like picking up its crap didn't mind feeding it um them not being automatically housebroken i, I was not in a place to teach something where to shit so i didn't love coming to visit my grandmother after that even though she was doing me a favor with her wonderful gift and whenever she would come to my mom's to visit she would bring the dog because she was like no that's your dog and this is your responsibility even though he fully became my grandmother's dog and i think eventually he died but she had that dog for a while good 10 years maybe more and uh, then when i was an adult or so I thought, I felt like it was right to get myself the dog that I always wanted, Max. He was a Jack Russell Terrier, just like in that movie, The Mask, and he looked just like I wanted. He was awesome. I love him still, but uh, I was irresponsible. Like, I was never home. I was always off performing. Which, you know, I should have thought about that when I bought the dog. Because if you're not going to be home, what's the point of buying something that needs you to be home to take care of it? My temper was much shorter back then. I don't know. Looking back on his puppy days, I have a lot of regrets there. Some mad young boy who thought he was a man. And in the end, I gave him to an ex to look after who immediately got rid of him. Still got some sore feelings about that. But one day, one day, a totally different dog, I'm sure. And I'll be that old man like Jay on Modern Family. All right, we're going to watch something this week. I'm going to give you the uh, chance to email me and find out, but we are going to get back to uh, that Netflix show, Turning Point. So keep your eyes peeled. Pieces. Pieces.